This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, tonight's topic is the miracle of Israel. And I can think of at least five miracles, at least, at least. There's many miracles involved. The fact that we're all here today, it's a miracle. We, we, we have to really think about how we survived this terrible times, thousands of years of persecution. And you know, we're going to talk about it. So let's talk about the five miracles of Israel. And the first miracle is 1900 years, we came back. 1900 years later. Imagine, think about it, it's mind boggling. There's no other nation in the whole world, there's no historical fact of people who came back to their land that they were exiled from 1900 years ago. So it's a miracle, it's the astonishing idea of a people that waited nearly 1900 years to come home. After the Jews were exiled from Jerusalem by the Romans and saw the temple destroyed in the year 70 or so, how did they stay alive? How do we, how do we exist? And so the first miracle is the astonishing fact that we came back. Hashem brought us back. And that's something we have to see. It's a miracle. It's not something that can be rationally explained. That we are here in Eretz Israel, nearly the majority of Jews in the world are now in Israel. Israel's population nearly 10 million, unfortunately not all Jews, but at least a, a good chunk of them are Jewish. So about 70% are Jewish. So 70% of Israel is Jewish. That's a big chunk of the Jewish people, nearly half or maybe more than half, we don't know for sure, of the Jewish people are now in Israel. It's a miracle. It's a tremendous miracle. We must never forget that. That's number one. We never, number two, we survived. Number two is we survived. We survived terrible persecutions. We survived pogroms, we survived ghettos. There's never been a nation so um, persecuted over thousands of years of history. And here we are, we're still here today with our heads erect. We survived. You know, we say every, every day, every day in the Bekat Amazon, Hashem, take us standing up to our land. It's standing up to our land, not running away from persecution, but we want to go there. We want to go as free people, standing up, we want to be erect. And Baruch Hashem, today we're able to come back to our land erect. A person comes back to the land of Israel, not because of persecution, not because of running away, but because I want to be part of the Jewish nation in the land of Israel. Tremendous, tremendous thing. So we survived the darkness of the diaspora exile for thousands of years. That's a second miracle. Survival, just survival. And uh, the third miracle is the spiritual revolution. But today there is a spiritual revolution among our people. There's never been so many Jews learning Torah mm -hmm. as before. Since the time of probably King Hezekiahu, Hezekiahu, Amelech, Hezekiah, the king, there's never been so many people learning Torah. And we're learning Torah in Yerushalayim, we're learning Torah in the whole of Israel, learning Torah around the world. There are spiritual centers Yeshivot around the world, and they're full. The Yeshivot are full every other day. There's a new Yeshiva cropping up. So it's tremendous spiritual revival. So number three is not just a physical revival, but a spiritual revival. That's something which we must not overlook. It's a tremendous spiritual revival we're going to talk about. And then we have miracle number four is Israel was attacked by five armies in 1948. Tremendous miracle. We have no idea. 600,000 Jews in Israel attacked by millions of nations, five nations, or sent all their armies 
and uh, a lot of people died, unfortunately, in the first war, in the, in the War of Independence, 1948. But that's a miracle is that we, we won, but basically beat them back and we captured more territory. So it's a tremendous victory. Fighting of five Arab armies, the sole mission was to drive us into the sea. I've read incredible stories of bravery and resourcefulness, how raging a ragtag, a ragtag army fought off five armies and saved the country at its birth. So it's one of the one of the amazing miracles that people overlook the fact that we're here, we survived. The fourth miracle is the survival of the Jewish state for the last 75 years in the face of enemies sworn to destruction. Israel has prevailed time over time over the battlefield against suicide bombings, rockets, tunnels, knives, drones, and all the other lethal physical threats. So it's a miracle that we're here today. It's a miracle we survived 75 years of being trying to be killed, uh, you know, 1900 years of survival and exile, and 75 years so far, but rather share much more in Israel itself of being trying to be killed. So it doesn't matter where the Jews are. We're always trying to be killed, always trying to be put away with. And a miracle is we're here. And there's a famous Rashi, the Rashi says in the Kumash, when Pharaoh says, uh, maybe the Jews will increase. I don't want them to increase. And Rashi says, Hashem said, you say maybe they'll increase. Hashem says they will increase. So, you know, I love it when they, when the enemies talk about destroying us and destroying our country, destroying our people. Then Hashem says, yeah, you try it. You're going to see what's going to happen. So let them talk more. The more they talk, the better for us. Hashem is protecting us. We can see this today. It's so explicit. It's so obvious. Any person who looks and sees the survival of Israel among this, uh, we're in this uh, enemy territory around us and they want to kill us. The whole door by door, we say in the Haggadah, every, every generation, it's interesting, on Holocaust Memorial Day, the Iranians talk about, they talked about destroying Tel Aviv, they talked about destroying Haifa. So say they picked the right day to talk about it. They want to destroy us. Nothing has changed. And Hashem, Hashem is saving us from the hands. We see it's so obvious today. Uh, you know, sitting in my, in my sitting room, I think it was last year, and all of a sudden we hear the um, the air raid channel, uh, siren. Siren goes off. And I'm really drinking my tea, my British tea, in my sitting room in Yushalayim, and the siren goes off. And hear all the neighbors getting panicky, just sat there drinking my tea, and then we hear a big bang. Sure enough, there was Hamas. They sent a rocket, which landed maybe two miles away from us. So listen, we're in God's hands. Wherever a Jew is, anywhere in the world today, it's, uh, it's not to be taken. Safety is not taken for granted anywhere in the world. But here, especially, we're in God's country. This is God's country, especially in the Eretz Israel, especially Yerushalayim. God's country, God's place. God is looking after us. But we see divine providence every single day. So that's a miracle. And the fifth miracle is, you know, people think, you know, you're living in this hostile environment, you know, you're, you're probably living in your bunkers, and you're just surviving. No, Israel is thriving. It's a tremendous miracle. The miracle is Israel is not just surviving. Israel is thriving. That is the miracle, the economic miracle, the scientific miracle, all the inventions. Look at all the inventions coming out of Israel. I, I wouldn't believe it. I'll tell you what. I myself have a hard time believing that it's such amazing. Obviously, it's another miracle from this wasteland. Let's talk about the wasteland. 
But Mark Twain saw a wasteland when he came here. And the Ramban Nachmanadish, we're going to talk about saw a wasteland. And here we are. We're living in this beautiful country. All the modern conveniences. Uh, we have uh, new trains being built and new tunnels being built and new roads being built all the time. There's something going on. You go around, walk around Yushalayim, cranes everywhere. Cranes are everywhere. Buildings going, putting up. And, and they're getting faster and faster putting up buildings. It's amazing. Israelis were known, notorious for a slow process of building a building. Today, there's buildings going up. Amazing, amazing. Just very expensive. Everything's very expensive, but everything is here. Whatever you want. The supermarkets are full. The stores are full. You get whatever you want. You can order from Amazon. You can order from uh, Alibaba, whatever it is, you can order from all over the world and you get it. And it's amazing. Everything is here, whatever you want. So that is a, a tremendous move we have to not overlook. The, Israel is thriving. Israel is a first, first class country. It's not a third class country. It's a first class country. And it's amazing. They're getting, uh, now they're, they're just going to get more electric buses. Imagine more electric buses. Everything's top notch. Everything is on the top caliber. And Hashem, Hashem is giving us this energy and the power to survive, not just to survive, but also to thrive. We shouldn't take for granted Israel is thriving. Whatever you see in the newspapers, on the TV, don't take out a pinch of salt. It's a lot of propaganda. Israel is thriving from the inside and from the outside. Israel will grow. I just want to talk about two little things. I just saw this yesterday in the newspaper. Uh, two Israeli companies, one will prizes top of the world and, and things that you would never believe number one whiskey who would think that israel is top of the world single malt whiskey they just got this prestigious award <laughs> israeli company won a prestigious award this is not a miracle they beat the scots they beat the irish they beat the americans they're making the top single malt whiskey an israeli company called guess what the company is called it's called Milk and Honey Distillery. Milk and Honey Distillery is making the top brand whiskey. And uh, it's a company in Tel Aviv and it's kosher. It's made from sherry casks. Kosher sherry casks. The whiskey is put into kosher sherry casks. And they're amazing because they beat the whole world. They got the first price. This is, we, we don't really appreciate it. This is amazing. If that's not a miracle, what is a miracle? You imagine they have this uh, big contest in, in England every single year to give all these prizes to these whiskey companies. And here, which company won first prize? First prize. And uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's uh, the top prize of single malt whiskey. Who would think that's, that's, if that's not a miracle, what is a miracle that they win the prize? Not just the prize. Okay, so whiskey, okay. That is a real miracle. They also won the top prize in New York. The best quality olive oil. Now, olive oil, we know. Olive oil is mentioned in the Torah many times. One of the seven fruits of Israel praised. Olives are praised. And olive oil, Israel is known for olive oil. And normally, uh, olive oil, the most, most of the olive oil in Israel comes from Spain. But uh, now Spain has had a drought for the last three years. And Israel really competing now. Israel is making the best olive oil in the world. 1,500 olive oil brands and manufacturers from all over the world went to New York for competition. The winning oil is from Petora, which is an Israeli company. Unique Midnight Brands Cortina Cultivar. I'm not, I'm not an expert on olive oil. It's a premium quality extra virgin olive oil produced through a meticulous process. 
So here we are, Israel wines, these are miracles. Israel's winning awards for their whiskey. That's a tremendous miracle. Israel won awards for olive oil. Okay, that's Israel is a, is a country of olive oil. But for thousands of years, Israel never had any olives. That's the miracle. And if you ask me about Israeli orange juice also, that should win an award, as, as many awards, scientific awards, economic awards, everything is amazing. This country is thriving, not just, not just surviving. That's the point. It's not just surviving, it's thriving. So now let's go and talk about these are miracles that are going on today. And then we have another miracle. The miracle is these are fulfillments of prophecies from thousands of years ago. We are seeing with our own eyes. And I, we're, we're, I keep telling my people, we are the luckiest generation of Jews. We are the luckiest generation that have lived as Jews since the beginning of time. We're the luckiest generation. Why? Because we see the terrible history we've had. But now we are seeing the prophecies of future prophecies of comfort coming true. The prophecies of comfort are coming true around us. I'm going to read some of them and you see it's amazing, these prophecies. If there's nothing that proves God more than these prophecies, then, you know, the fulfillment of these prophecies. So what are the, what's the first prophecy? The prophecy is Moshe Rabbein, Moses in the Torah. Moses in the Torah. In uh, the first, the first prophecy of exile, Moshe Rabbeinu, at the end of the Varim, this is my bar mitzvah parasha, mitzavim, and Moshe Rabbeinu says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 1 to 5, his death is near. He prophesies about the destiny of the people of Israel. The destiny would not be promising. Can you imagine writing this in a holy book? Moshe Rabbeinu just starting the history of the Jews going back to Israel and he's writing things which are pretty depressing. Curses that would come upon them, Pasha Kitavo, and then they would go into exile. But when they return to their homeland later, their situation will be as good as it had been in the past. Let's see what Moshe Rabbeinu says. He says, and it will be when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you that you will consider in your heart among all the other nations where the Lord your God has banished you. There's got to be an exile, Moshe Rabbeinu says. And you will return to the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And you will listen to his voice according to all I'm commanding you this day, you and your children. Then Hashem, your God, will bring back your exiles and he will have mercy upon you. He will once again gather you from all the nations where Lord your God has dispersed you. Even if your exiles are at the end of the heavens, the Lord your God will gather you from there and he will take you from there. And the Lord your God will bring you to the land where your forefathers possessed and you will take possession of it and he will do good for you. He'll make you more numerous than your forefathers. So Bezrat Hashem, we are seeing what's known as the ingathering of the exiles. This is coming true today and we're going to talk about this. This miracle, this promise Moshe Rabbeinu made 3,400 odd years ago, 3,400 years ago, he talked about exile in the four corners of the earth. Now, we've never been in the four corners of the earth before. There's never been an exile where Jews are scattered everywhere. The joke is that everywhere you go in the world, you find a Chabad house. Everywhere you go. Why? <laughs> because Jews are everywhere. Jews are, my, my son, he's a brave man. He, he lived in Hong Kong for a while. Okay, sure, there's a Chabad house. There's two actually in Hong Kong. And then he went, uh, he went to Vietnam, he went to uh, 
all the other, you know, the southeastern countries, the eastern countries, and uh, everywhere you go, there's always Jews visiting. He never had a minyan. Where was that? Uh, Cambodia. He went to Cambodia for Shabbat. I thought he's a brave guy. He went to Cambodia Shabbat, and he's, he was a chabruta for the Chabad rabbi because they only had six guys. <laughs> six guys for Shabbat. There's no minyan, uh, unfortunately, but I'm sure it's going to grow because people, Jews are everywhere. Jews have won the last. Israelis you find today everywhere in the world. Why? Because they have wanderlust. They're living in a small country. They can't wait to get out, go out and, and get some air, you know, after all the pressures of life in Israel, especially there's a war, army after army. So they need to, to go and spread their wings a little bit. Jews everywhere. So Moshe Rabbeinu promises in the Torah. This is something which is hard to comprehend, that Jews would be all over the world. Who would know this? Only God could know this. And there's a prophecy 3,400 years ago, Hashem says, you know, I'll scatter you in the four corners of the earth and I will bring you back. And today we are seeing this prophecy coming true. We are the luckiest generation, Baruch Hashem. We're seeing people are coming back to Israel. And not all the time, not, they're not just running away. They're coming because they want to come. Especially the people from America, from England, all the West countries. They're coming here because they want to come here. It's amazing. And there's I was just reading an article today about a revival of spirituality in Tel Aviv, of all places. You know, Tel Aviv is not known for its spirituality. But now, some synagogues are packed. The ones that appeal to the Westerners, the young Westerners, they're packed. Chabad is packed in Tel Aviv. It's called Chabad of the Coast. Uh, it's, probably a, it's probably a lot of Chabad of the Coast around the world. It's the coast, it's the Israeli coast. And then there's a, a few modern Orthodox synagogues packed in Tel Aviv because they're appealing to these young Westerners. So Israel is really witnessing a tremendous spiritual revolution. In fact, these are the birth pangs we're going through because these big, large uh, protests are all about the fear there is of religious people taking over Israel. That's the biggest fear the secular have in Israel. I don't think it's a fear because well, you, you got scared of your own people. These are people you love. These are people who are on your side. These are people who believe in God, believe in Torah, but they're scared. Why? Because not so religious, they're scared. Hashem's word will take over Israel. But that's a prediction. It's coming true in front of us, whether you like it or not, it's going to come true. And I just want to go through other prophecies. That's a prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu. We're seeing this, a miracle. We are witnessing this tremendous miracle, this prophecy of 3,400 years ago. is coming true in our own time. Just go stand at the airport in Israel, see all these people who are coming from around the world, moving to Israel. In chapter 11, in verse 11 of the book of Isaiah, Yeshayahu Navi says over here, it shall come to pass that on that day, the Lord shall apply his hand a second time. Now this is interesting because Isaiah is before the first exile. He's talking about a second time. Hashem is bringing back the exiles the second time, that's us, we're coming back the second time. He's had a second time to acquire the rest of his people that will remain from Assyria, from Egypt, from Bathros, from Kush, Ethiopia. We all witness the Ethiopians, you know, they're running, they're running the police in Israel, police, a lot of Ethiopians, the army and the police force, you go to security of the on the Kotel, you'll see the Ethiopians are manning the security. <laughs> Who would believe? So this is a prophecy in Isaiah. I'll bring back all the Jews from Assyria, from Egypt, from Batros, from Kush, which is Ethiopia, from Elam, from Samaria, from Hamas, from the islands of the sea. And he shall raise a banner 
to the nations. They shall gather the lost of Israel. And the scattered ones of Judah, he will gather again from the four quarters of the earth. So again, it's a prophecy much later, about a thousand years after Moses. So Isaiah the prophet is giving another prophecy, again, gathering the Jews from the four corners of the world. The second time, so it's referring to us. This is the second time, this is what Isaiah is talking about. The book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29. He says, I will be found with you, says God. I will return your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says God. I will return you to the place where I exiled you from. Amazing. Chapter 20, the book of Ezekiel. There's so many prophecies of, of promising us is going to bring us back, which are happening today. Book of Ezekiel, chapter 20, verse 41. With a pleasing savor, I shall accept you when I take you out of the nations. I shall gather you from the lands in which you were scattered. I shall be hallowed through you before the eyes of the nations. The nations will say, wow, these prophecies are coming true. There's something to it. A lot of Christians today believe in Israel, believe in the Jewish people, believe these prophecies are coming true. They see it. They read the prophecies and they see it's coming true. And you will know that I am the Lord when I bring you to the land of Israel, to the land that I lifted my hand to give to your forefathers. Now, this is very interesting because Ezekiel says, that first we'll come to Israel, and then we will know Hashem. There was a teshuva process, you know. We always think of teshuva as doing, uh, coming back, repenting. That's the word teshuva. But the word teshuva can also mean coming back physically, coming back to our land. That's teshuva. We're going to talk about that a bit more. But here we see explicitly in the book of Jeremiah, make a mental note. And what does uh, he say? This is actually the book of Ezekiel, chapter 20. You will know that I am the Lord when I bring you back to the land of Israel. After you come back, you're going to know I'm the Lord. This is what's happening today in Israel. The spiritual awakening is happening after we came back to the land. I'll bring you to the land of Israel, to the land I lifted my hand to give to your forefathers. Amazing, amazing prophecy. We're seeing this today. It's coming true. And obviously, Rambam, my one of these, brings down these prophecies in his book of in the laws of kings. And the other Hazakah, Mishnah Torah, writes about Mashiach. And then he says, we don't know the order of these prophecies. These prophecies will come true. Yes, the Mashiach will come. They'll build a temple and gather the Jews. But we don't know the order of when, how things will happen. We don't have the perfect order of how these things will happen. That's amazing. Amazing thing to say. So we have the prophecies. And we see things happening around us. And people say, ah, the prophecy is not coming true. It's not in the right order. But the Rambam himself said, we don't know the order which will happen. These things will happen. These things are going to happen. But we don't know the order. But things are happening, definitely happening around us. We don't know the order. We can't see what's happening exactly. And that leaves us with free choice. If everything would be falling into place, we would lose our free choice. Eventually, we're going to lose our free choice. The Rambam in the Torah says, Hashem will circumcise our hearts. That's the end of his prophecy. In gathering of the exiles, the Shuvah and Hashem will circumcise our hearts. What does circumcision of the heart mean? Now, I've never seen, I've never seen a circumcision of the heart. Uh, you've got to be a surgeon, a heart surgeon to do circumcision of the heart. They'll tell you no such thing. What does that mean? The rabbis explain that the Yetzer Hara will be removed from humanity. There'll be no more drive for evil. This will be the Tikkun, 
of the sin of Adam and Eve, the fact that they ate from the fruit, and they brought the Yitzhar inside them instead of being outside them. The snake was outside them, and they brought the snake inside them. So this Yitzhar we address is the evil inclination. That's part of our hearts. That's in our hearts. That's part of our egos. It's built into us. And Hashem says, I'm going to circumcise your heart. So this is going to happen when that happens, when we lose the free will, the choice to do evil, we're going to lose our free will. We're going to be like robots and uh, we'll all be serving God. Everyone will be serving God. Even the nations of the world will come chase us to learn how to say it, serve God. We have, to, we have to be the beacons. We're going to be the priests of the nations and we're going to learn how to behave well so that will give everyone a good example. But that's going to happen eventually. And we're going to see it. Obviously, it hasn't happened yet. But we still have free choice. And how do we know? Because we have the choice to say that these prophecies are not coming true. This is just an accident. A lot of people today say, oh, it's an accident. Some people even go that far. And they say, it's Maaseh Satan. It's the, it's the work of Satan. They give Satan the powers to do these things. But we know that it's Hashem is working through history. That's how Hashem works. In this period where there's no miracles, there's no prophecy, Hashem is working through history, works through natural events, and these natural events are happening. So every, you know, every, every Shabbat we say this prayer in Gathering of the Exiles, a prayer for the welfare of the State of Israel, very, very important prayer. It's made in many shuls around the world. Appeals to God to bless the land of Israel, to assist its leaders. Hashem should really assist the leaders, especially today. Give them some guidance, not some brains into them and an appeal using the words of Moshe lead them swiftly and upright to your city Zion and to Jerusalem the abode of your name as it written in the Torah of your servant Moses even if your outcasts are at the end of the world from there the Lord your God will gather you from there he will fetch you and the Lord your God will bring you to the land of your fathers and you shall possess it and he'll make you more prosperous and more numerous than your fathers so this is something which we pray for every single Shabbat it's a prayer for the state of Israel, Israel Hashem. and the miracles. A lot of people overlook these miracles. We mustn't overlook the miracles. Every day we have to count our blessings. Every day I count my blessings. When I pray, I get a great view. I pray in a synagogue across the street. Great view of the mountains of Judah, of Jerusalem. The mountains around Yerushalayim. Because we're living in Harnoff. Harnoff is a mountain with a view. And it's a beautiful view of the forest around Yerushalayim. It's a green forest. You see the mountains with the forests on the mountains. Oh, it's a gorgeous view. The blue skies in the summertime. And it's a gorgeous view. What a, what a way. Thank God. You know, I pray it's the best way to awaken one's uh, concentration. Thank God for everything we have. When you see a beautiful view out of the window. It's interesting how Larizal says to pray in a place where there's windows. It's important. Halacha. You've got to pray in a place with windows facing heaven. Because that's the closest we can get to God's holy throne. What does that mean? The blue of the throne apparently is the same blue as the sky. Whatever that means, we have no idea. But there is a very deep concept. When a person looks at the heavens, they get what's called Yirat Shamayim. Because they see the vastness of God's expanse and God's creation. Because otherwise we don't see. We're just looking downwards. We don't see the expanse. But if you look at the sky, you see the expanse. And there's a bracha now on the moon. And there's a bracha on the sun every 28 years. And that tells you why, because you feel the power of God. You feel the power of God's creation. You feel the greatness of Hashem's creation. Today, we should feel it even more than any time else. We have these massive telescopes in space taking pictures of, of galaxies, which are thousands of years old. It's amazing. We should be more impressed 
with God's handiwork, both in the nanospheres, we see all these nanoparticles and all the, magna, you know, the big areas and the small areas of life here. Yeah. Much more advanced, we see much more of God's creation. We see much more of God's design, immaculate design, how Hashem created everything. with tremendous design in the both in the miniature and in the macro. There's tremendous design, tremendous thought put into the process of creation. So amazing. Everything in this world is so complicated, so complex. We see the complexity of God's plan, how God is so complex. And we are just, it's amazing to think about it. We humans were chosen by God for some, some kind of purpose. And the purpose is to recognize God and to acknowledge God and to accept his yoga upon us and to serve him basically. To serve him. So it's happening now. It's happening today. We are serving God in the land of Israel just like he wanted us to. So let's go through, through some more of the prophecies. And uh, this is prophecy, which is a miracle. It's, and the miracle is with the land of Israel. The prophecy is the Torah says, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Vaikra. In Leviticus chapter 26, verse 32. This is one of the curses of the book of, of uh, Vaikra. And I will make barren the land. And it will barren for your enemies who will dwell in it. You know, it's interesting. For thousands of years, the land of Israel is barren. People don't realize. And this is one of the biggest historical proofs that there were no people living here. We have witness accounts, the Ramban in the 1200s, and we have witnesses of uh, Mark Twain, who is definitely not a Jew lover by any, by any uh, notice. And uh, they came here and they saw the land was barren, barren wasteland. And this is a miracle. Why is it a miracle? Because no one really settled the land of Israel in great numbers. People never came here to settle. Why? It was a barren wasteland. This is a prophecy. Hashem says, I'm going to make it a barren wasteland for your enemies. So your enemies will not enjoy the land of Israel. They won't move here. We never find people who moved here in great numbers. The Palestinians moved here after the Jews started coming back and they started rejuvenating the country. Palestinians started moving here from Syria, from Egypt. And uh, you can tell by the names. You can tell by the names they have where they came from. And there's a beautiful book called From Time Immemorial by Joan Peters. And she has a whole historical account of what happened in Israel? She gives, uh, she quotes a lot of other historians who came here and visited here, and what they said when they came to the land. Barren wasteland. Today, also, if you go, you know, the the, uh, the borders of the Six Day War are called the Green Line. It's interesting. Why is it called the Green Line? Because on one side is green, where Israel existed in the uh, you know the seventy five years in before that, the Jews started reclaiming the JNF started reclaiming land, and uh, the Halutzim started working the land. The other side of the line is barren. The other side of the line, you see brown mountains and hills. The green line is where the Jews were. That's when the, uh, everything started taking off. That's when the agriculture started taking off. When the other side is, is barren. A lot of it is barren till today. But wherever there are Jewish settlements, you'll see green. When there's no Jewish settlements, there's no greenery. There's olive trees and that's it. There's nothing else. So it's very important to know, very important to, to tell everyone this prediction came true. It's a miracle that the land was barren, even though it's not a good thing. It was a good thing for us. Why? Because the, the enemies did not take over this land. So very important. So Hashem says, I'm going to make this land barren. So your enemies who are dwelling in it will find it's a barren land and they're not going to take it over. So it's interesting because the Ramban says, this, this is a letter, the Ramban, the Khmeradis wrote 
1268, Ramban had to run away from Spain. He was in a disputation with a priest, and he actually won a disputation. He was allowed by the king to win, to say whatever he wanted, and he had freedom to speak, to speak and he won the disputation. Everyone agreed he won the disputation. But his reward for that was exile. The king says, you got to run, you got to get away, because the, the priests are going to kill you. The Dominicans are after your blood. He won the disputation, and he got to run. So he ran, very old age. So in the 70s, he ran away and he moved to Eretz Israel. And it's good he did because for us, because we have a synagogue in the old city called the synagogue of Ramban, which apparently he founded when he came here. There was no minyan and he made a synagogue. He says there were eight Jews in Yerushalayim. So they get visitors and they made a minyan in Yerushalayim. And he's buried, if you go to Hebron, Keba Mahpela, outside the cave, outside in the grass, there is a tomb reputedly for the Ramban. Ramban's tomb is over there. And always went, I used to go there and see people praying outside the, the cave of Machpelah. Always thought, you know, they're praying because they're closer to the cave where the forefathers are buried. It's downstairs, outside the building. You know, they're praying to it. Now, apparently, there is a, the grave of the Ramban, the great Ramban that's over there. So I'll tell you what it says. Ma'agid lachem, Ramban writes to his uh, students in Spain. What shall I tell you? Binyan Eretz, you know, for the, about the land. How great is the desolation. And the general rule is whatever's holier is more destroyed, Ramban writes. Eretz Yehuda, the land of Judah, which is where the tribe of Judah was, is much more destroyed than anywhere else. That was where the Bar Kokhba revolt was. The Romans destroyed it more than anywhere else. More than the Galil, the Galilee was not destroyed. It says Josephus, who was the general of uh, the Jewish garrison in the Galilee, actually surrendered. He surrendered. So the Romans did not destroy Galilee. And that's why all our greats, the rabbis, the Sanhedrin, moved to the Galilee in the time of the Romans. They moved to the Galil, and that's where they're buried. It's just interesting Rambam. Maimonides, not to be confused, I saw last week, amazing Rambam. The Rambam says that, you know, I was always wondering why the Rambam that's buried in Tiberias, Tiberia. It's the furthest away from Egypt, right? It's in the north. The Rambam, Rambam lived in Egypt. The, the legend is they put his body on a camel, and the camel walked by itself, and it ended up in Tiberias. Why Tiberias? So I saw an amazing Rambam. And this Rambam is in the laws of Shoftim, in the laws of judges, or Mishpatim. And there he says that the, you know, the Sanhedrin, when the Romans destroyed Yushalayim, the Sanhedrin already left Yushalayim. Yochanan ben Zakkai took the Sanhedrin, moved them, and they went to 10 different places. They were in exile, they were chased by the Romans. They kept moving around. And the last stop of the Sanhedrin was Tiberia, Tiberias. And you'll find, if you go to the grave of the Rambam today, you'll find many of the greats of the Sanhedrin, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai and all his students, are buried right there in the same area as the grave of the Rambam. And the Rambam writes, is the Sanhedrin, that was their last stop. And then he said, it's going to be the first stop of the Sanhedrin at resurrection. The Sanhedrin is going to be revived from Tiberia. Now I can understand why the Rambam want to be buried in Tiberia. <laughs> he probably wants to be on the Sanhedrin when it's revived. Well, he wants to be around when the Sanhedrin is revived, the first place. It's amazing, amazing thing I just saw in the Rambam that he writes the Sanhedrin's last stop was Tiberias, Tiberia, and they're going to be resurrected in Tiberia. They're going to restart the Sanhedrin in Tiberia. So that's the Rambam. And maybe that's why the Rambam must be buried. He's buried right there with the Sanhedrin. All the members of the Sanhedrin are right around him. Uh, the greats of the, the Tanaic uh, period of the time of the Mishnah are all buried in that same area. Rabbi Akiva's down the road from the Rambam. 
in Tiberia, and all the greats are buried around. Students of Akiva all around in that same neighborhood of Galil. So it's amazing. It's right Ramam buried in Tiberia. So anyway, so the greater the, the holiness, the greater destruction run by rights. The greater the holiness, the greater the destruction. 1867, let's move ahead. 600 years later. Did anything change in Israel? 600 years later, Mark Twain comes along and he says, and he, he was not a Jew lover in any, by any uh, definition. He says, shomema. I'm just quoting the Hebrew from the, obviously he didn't write Hebrew, but if you don't look it up, if you look it up, it was uh, Mark Twain, Harper's Magazine, and you can really look it up, his article he wrote about his visit to Israel. The land, you can see it's the richness of the earth, but there's nothing growing. He says, even things which are normally grow in these desolate places, like the Sabra tree, which is, you know, the Jews, Israelis are called Sabras, the cactus. There's very few cactuses around. There's very few olive trees, which are part of the land of Israel. Very few. They were, the land is desolate. The Romans destroyed Israel. It says they put they put salt in the earth so nothing would grow. They put stones everywhere. Everywhere you go, you see. It wasn't for bulldozers, you know. Imagine the Halutzima, they came in the 1900s, moving these massive stones with their hands. And thank God for bulldozers today. They just bulldoze all these massive rocks, which are all over the landscape. And you see these uh, JNF did amazing jobs, you know, clearing the land, planting trees. Amazing job. And, you know, thank God we had good rains. And it's green. It's a green land. It's, a, it's amazing. This part where the Jews were, where they cultivated, it's green. It's a green country. It's a green land. Baruch Hashem. You see the difference between the green land, the green line, and not over the land is not much uh, greenery. So this is also a miracle. The green line. So the greatest miracle said is the fact that we're coming back. We are coming back. This is the greatest miracle in the history of mankind, people don't realize what is the greatest miracle in the history of mankind. Jews are coming back to their country after a long exile. You know, this is a big slap in the face for Christians. Christians believe the Jews are cursed. The Jews are eternal damnation. Nothing good is going to come out of them. And the prophecies of the Torah are not going to come true. Because they rejected their Messiah. And here we see the prophecies are coming true. It's a big slap in the face. And Bezrat Hashem, things will grow and get better. And I just want to read this last prediction. Moshe Rabbeinu Vayaki Yavo Alecha My Bar Mitzvah Parsha. In the very Lamed. When all these things come true, the blessing and the curse. And you're going to be scattered among all the nations. And you will come back to your Lord, your God, and listen to his voice. Everything he commanded you today, you and your children, with all your heart, with all your soul. And Hashem will bring back your, your uh, exiles from all the nations that he scattered you there. And even if you are scattered to the furthest quarters of the heavens, Hashem will bring you back from there. And he'll take you from there and he'll bring you into the land with your forefathers, and you'll inherit the land, and it'll be good for you, and you'll be more than your forefathers. And Hashem, here we come to the part of the free choice. Hashem will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your children. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your life. And Hashem will give you, and take away all the curses, and give you blessings instead. All the curses will go on your enemies who are chasing after you, 
and you will come back and you listen to the word of God and you'll do all the mitzvot which Hashem command you today. And Hashem will leave you. Bechol marsiyadecha will give you profit in all the work of your hands. Bepribet mecha with your children and your animals and the land. And Hashem will rejoice with you like you rejoice with your forefathers. Okay, so this is a very interesting prophecy. You see it's coming through today. The question is now, okay. The question is now, what about the order of the prophecy? What's happening? Doesn't it say that the Jews will come back to God and then God will bring them back? So one of the answers is, it doesn't say they'll come back in terms of teshuva. It says they will come back to God. It could be translated as they will come back physically to the God. They'll come back to the land of Israel. That's, that could be the pshat. That's what we see today. Jews are coming back. And when they come back, then there's going to be another return. That's going to be the spiritual return. And after the spiritual return, then Hashem says, I'm going to come back to you. And I'm going to circumcise your hearts. You're going to lose free will. There's not going to be any more free will. I'll be proved. Hashem will prove himself to the point where there's no return. In other words, there'll be no other choice. Everything will be recognized. It's a tremendous miracle. All will be from Hashem. There'll probably be prophecy again. Ramon writes, the prophecy will come back. Where do we see this? Uh, the prophet, last prophets, right? I'm going to send you the prophet uh, Elijah before the great day of Hashem. So the prophecy will come back. We're going to be able to have revelation like we had on Mount Sinai, and there'll be no more denying, no more choice, no more choice to deny God and His Mitzvah. So this is a tremendous thing. We, we are part of the miracle of Israel. We are here. We are standing up. We survived. We survived the Galut. And we uh, survived uh, coming back to the land of Israel with all the destruction of the enemies around us. They wanted to come and destroy us, throw us into the sea. And they're still saying it today. It's going to destroy Tel Aviv and, and Haifa just last week, the Iranians. And we are here. And we're surviving, not just surviving. The miracle is we're thriving. And we're seeing the spiritual revival around us which is another tremendous miracle of thousands of years. And Bezrat Hashem, we will grow and keep on growing and we'll have more revelation and more signs of Hashem. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.